you know, at five years old, I knew what dad was doing to me was wrong. And I knew watching the porn movies and stuff like that and him making me do things to him, I knew all those things were wrong. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Lay. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Lay. Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to talk about the reality of sexual abuse victims and the struggles that they go through. Now, listener discretion is advised as the contents of this show are intended for a mature audience. Is there any hope for healing for those who have gone through sexual abuse? Well, there is. And faith in Christ can truly play a huge, impactful role in that. If you don't believe that, today we'll have Ira Warren on the show with us, who was sexually abused throughout most of her childhood by her own father. It led to such devastating consequences in her life as a young adult. She's going to tell us the truth about what she went through and how she found healing. Ira, welcome to the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. Praise God. I'm just glad to be here on the show with you all. Well, we are super glad you are here. And I understand we're going to hear about some things about your life that are going to shock many listeners. I understand that when you were younger, your grandpa, who was a pastor, led you to Jesus, and your life was going, in general, in a good direction at first. Yes, I'm going to say I was very fortunate to grow up in the home with both of my parents. Things were just beautiful from what I could see, you know, as a young girl. It was nothing like running into my dad's arms when he would come home from work. And when the sun was up, it seemed like, you know, everything was A-OK. But it was when the sun would go down, that's when the issue or the problem or the molestation would start with my dad. And it went on from the age of five years old all the way until I was a teenager. Ah, jeez. So that's when the sexual abuse started. And I understand that your dad, who most likely was not a true Christian at the time, was telling you that the reason for the abuse was because he truly loved you. And that was what true love was. But even in that, you knew something was wrong. What were you thinking during those early years of sexual abuse? Well, the thoughts that I was having was, you know, why me? You go through that period in your life, and as a little girl, you know, children are very intuitive, and I felt like I was that intuitive kid. You know, at five years old, I knew what Dad was doing to me was wrong, and I knew watching the porn movies and stuff like that and him making me do things to him, I knew all those things were wrong, Mm. and it was a situation where, you know, you do what Daddy tell you to do, and then it was another situation where he would say, you know, this is what Daddy's supposed to do. You know, this is the way that I... I'm to love you, and I'm the only person that's going to ever love you this way. So I knew deep down in my soul that it was distorted and it wasn't right. But because he was dead, you know, I was like, I have to honor and obey, you know, because Mm. my grandfather, his thing was he was a pastor and he walked with Martin Luther King and all that good stuff. He was teach us the Ten Commandments. And the thing that stuck out to me, he was like, you have to honor our parents. And that was just drilled into me when I was a child. That is so sad because I understand your grandpa at the time did not know your father was doing this to you. So it was like your father was being devious and manipulating that 
to get what he wanted all the time. Right. But what happened when your grandpa did find out about the truth? What was happening at that time? When my grandfather found out, he was devastated. I remember we went to church one Sunday and he asked my mom to come downstairs in the basement. This was in Gary, Indiana. And he said, Mary, you know, listen, I know what's going on in the home. He said, why don't you just bring the five kids and yourself and come back and stay with me? I'll help you get on your feet. And my mom thing was, no, I can't. I can't leave my husband. And, you know, granddad was like, well, you know what he's doing to my grandchildren. And she goes, no, these things are not happening. You know, so it was this denial. And my dad was very controlling and he had this manipulation. So, you know, my dad would literally put guns to my mom's head and say, if you ever leave me, I'm going to kill you and the kids. Mm -hmm. That was the fear. So she stayed and we stayed in that. And my mom, we found out later on that my mom knew that my dad was molesting us. And she said, you know, I had to sacrifice somebody. You know, I loved him. My mom would literally say to us when I was a little girl, she said, he's God to me. And we're going to do what he tells us to do. And so I heard that growing up. So I saw my dad abuse my mom in so many horrible ways and the control that he had on her. And, you know, sad to say, all of this that happened to me as a child, it sent my grandfather to an early grave. He had a massive heart attack and he died, you know, because he wanted my mom to come and stay with him. But her choice was, no, I'm going to stay in this situation rather than to protect my children and get out of the situation. Yeah, that is typical abusive situation where the abuser uses threats and intimidation to control their victims. I understand the sexual abuse towards you got so bad that the unthinkable happened when you were 16 years of age. Well, at 16 years old, I was running track in school, and I just became like really, 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 really sick. I thought I had the flu. My mom, she kept me out of school for the two weeks, and her friend came over and said, well, why don't you just give her some lemon-lime popsicles and she'll be okay? And that wasn't the case. So my mom, she took me to the clinic, and the lady said, well... Let me just give her an overall checkup, and we're going to give her a pregnancy test. And I remember my mom saying, you better not be pregnant. She said some other things, but I'm not going to go into that. And I remember sitting on, you know, the table that they have you sit on. And so she examined me and everything, and she said, my God, you are like almost seven months pregnant, but my stomach was like flat, flat. Because I wasn't eating anything. And I remember the nurse walks out of the room. And no sooner the nurse walked out of the room, my mom was beating me in the face with her fist. Mm. And she was calling me all these names and everything. And she was just like, I knew you was this and I knew you was that. And you sleeping around. you. And she knew, my mom knew, it was forbidden for us to even have a boyfriend. So she knew it wasn't a boyfriend. My mom knew from the jump that it was my father's baby. I'm just going to go and put it out there. Oh, my gosh. She knew from the jump that it was my dad's baby. And so they went through this whole situation where they wanted me to just keep it on the hush. They wanted to adopt my son. And they said, well, just tell him you're his sister. He'll never know. Technically, I am, if you think about it. So, yeah, that was a devastating time for me. I mean, from that point on, my mom looked at me as the other woman. And she still does to this day. Oh my gosh, that is such a horrible situation. Ira, let's stop there as I want to hear more about what unfolded in your life during this time when this secret became more public. Ira, seriously, thank you, thank you so much for sharing with us what happened to you. And it is a brave thing to come out and share like this. But I know someone is being ministered to through your sharing, so I'm looking forward to have you on our next show. Yes. Hang on, let's go a little deeper in understanding what you just heard right after the break. 
Hey everyone, as an evangelist, I'm really into changing people's lives with a powerful message of the cross. Do you know people are getting set free from drugs, addictions, and internal anguish by the power of the Holy Spirit working through our show? Will you ask the Holy Spirit if He wants you to partner with us financially? Every donation will help us to reach 1 million more people. Think of it, 30 people giving $100 a month will bring this show in front of 1 million more people. Will you help me to get to one more city in the U.S.? You can give by going to awakenthenations.com. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? Well, to me, this is a pretty serious thing here. I'm shocked. This dad impregnated his own daughter and really manipulated the situation while she is in this Christian environment. But you can see that he isn't Christian at all. He was what the Bible calls a wolf in sheep's clothing. So you may be wondering, how on earth is she going to get healing from this horrible situation? Is there any hope for her, her child, her dad? You may be thinking this is impossible, but guess what? There is hope in Christ. Let me explain. It's written in Colossians chapter 1, 21 through 22. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. I'm sharing this scripture because Ira in this situation, Christian or not, would feel defiled and like her future is completely destroyed because she was severely sexually abused. But according to the scripture, she could be reconciled back to a holy God. And Jesus has the power through his death on the cross to present her holy, blameless, and above reproach, which means that no one can accuse her. God has a power to restore a person from the inside out. And honestly, if there wasn't this hope, then the future for Ira looks pretty bleak. If you think about it, maybe she could get therapy, counseling, but none of that will change the fact that her past was completely marred by sexual abuse. Her idea of sexuality and her identity is forever changed because of these events. No self-help is going to get her out of this situation. She needs something more. And if it's true that Jesus has the power to cleanse us from our past, no matter how bad it is, then this is pretty good news. It's written in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at this. If we confess our sins to God, He will forgive us and He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I believe that's just not unrighteousness from the bad things that we do, but from the things that are happening to us, the things that defile us from our past. And this is great news for Ira. Ira has hope if this is true because there's a prayer written in the book of Psalms 51, 7 through 10. It's written, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. The early psalmist King David 
knew about God's power to wash away the sins of the past, the defilement that he did on his own. How much more can Ira's defilement be washed away by Christ's power? Ira can experience the power of being washed clean, almost like the past can be washed away. This can happen for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ and says, God, I need you to wash me. I need the change. I need you to wipe it away. Did you know the blood of Jesus was the cost of our forgiveness and that it has this power to wash away the stains of our sins and even the defilement of the world upon us? Lord Jesus, I'm praying for the person who's saying, gosh, Lord, I'm hearing this testimony. And if there's hope for Ira, there's hope for me. Father God, I pray that you'd bring your power of restoration to someone who's listening right now. And maybe they've been defiled. Maybe something has happened to them. Jesus, bring your healing balm. But most of all, Jesus, we receive the newness that we need, which is giving our lives to you. Lord Jesus, we surrender. We give our lives to you. We give everything to you. And we ask for you to come into our lives and change it from the inside out. We ask for this in Jesus' name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony. And I know that your life was touched. If you have a testimony to share or know someone who does and would like to share it on our show, go to AwakeningTheNations.com and click Guest Audition on the top menu. See you next time.